When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of The Blackout, brought to you by Super Team Media. I am your host, Thomas Black, as we enter week five of the college football season. On this week's episode, I'm excited to bring you the most impactful moments of the college football season from week four. In addition to that, I'll have with me joining me in the second segment, Dan Hope from 11warriors.com, as the number four Ohio State Buckeyes get ready to head to number nine Penn State to take on the Nittany Lions. And of course, I'll bring you my picks from last week and give you more picks against the spread leading into week five. Now let's take a look at the biggest moments from week four of college football and what games had the biggest impact on what we'll see down the road in the college football playoff. As we do with most college football conversations these days, we'll start with the defending national champions, the Alabama Crimson Tide and their dismantling of the Texas A&M Aggies in Tuscaloosa. I certainly thought after seeing the Aggies in week two versus Clemson that this Texas A&M team was going to be able to offer a challenge to the Alabama Crimson Tide. But Alabama was dominant from the very beginning of this game. All you have to do is go back to the opening moments of this game to see the tone set by Alabama to pull away from Texas A&M what felt like very early in the game. I know Texas A&M hung around for a little while, But when they were driving down the field in the second quarter and kicking field goals and Alabama was scoring touchdowns, it felt like it was just a matter of time before Alabama pulled away in dominating fashion. But you might have seen Texas A&M hang around in this game into the third quarter if it weren't for the beginning of the game when Kellen Mond forced a pass when he was being brought down to the ground that was intercepted by Mack Wilson. As soon as the turnover was forced, Alabama turns around, Tua Tungavaloa comes into the game, and he throws a strike, a touchdown pass to Devontae Smith, just like he did to win the national championship, and in this game, to put Alabama ahead of Texas A&M, 7-0. And here's Brad Nessler on the call for the SEC on CBS as Tungavaloa hits Smith for the 30-yard touchdown pass to open up the game for Alabama. They might go for one right here, and he will, much like the championship game, touchdown! The same guy. just as expected, takes this Alabama offense to a whole new level. He threw for nearly 400 yards and four touchdowns with no interceptions in this game. And that's with an Alabama offense that was held to just 109 yards on the ground. Imagine these Alabama teams from the past decade. 
that hold a Nick Saban-led Alabama team to 109 yards rushing, you'd think that these teams would be in a low-scoring defensive battle, but not when Tua Tungavaloa is the quarterback for the Crimson Tide. With Tungavaloa at quarterback, Alabama just seems like they're playing on a whole nother level of every other team in college football. And going forward, Alabama is going to be a heavy, heavy favorite in the next four games before there is any semblance of a test by any opponent coming up the rest of the season. For the next several weeks, all that remains to question about Alabama is whether their team stays healthy because they're going to keep on winning games in big-time fashion. And for the rest of the college football world, we'll just have to sit and wait to see if a true challenger arises to contend with Alabama in defense of their national championship. But that brings me to my second main takeaway of week four in the college football season. And that's to look at the Clemson Tigers and what happened in their win at Georgia Tech on Saturday afternoon. As had been the case through the first few weeks of the season, Kelly Bryant went down to Atlanta as the starting quarterback for the Clemson Tigers. But after struggling through a couple of possessions and turning the reins over to the true freshman quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson's offense just took off. With Lawrence in the game for the Tigers, Clemson moved up and down the field almost at will. Trevor Lawrence ended the game throwing for 176 yards and four touchdown passes on only 13 completions. Now let's go back to Trevor Lawrence's final touchdown pass on the afternoon, a 30-yard strike to T. Higgins. On the call for ESPN on ABC, it's Mark Jones. One of the more dynamic players in college football. Lawrence, single coverage, found his man, Higgins. Touchdown, Tigers! Going back to Clemson's spring game, there were many Tiger fans who seemed like they felt it was inevitable that Trevor Lawrence would be taking over this offense at some point this season. If you count yourself in that boat, well, I'm right there with you. After seeing what Trevor Lawrence could do with a bunch of big-time receivers in the spring game, I just felt like he was going to be able to take over this job with his arm and his ability to get the ball down the field as opposed to Kelly Bryant's inability to do the same thing. Now that the change in starting quarterbacks has happened, I feel like Clemson's offense has a whole new ceiling that it can reach with its offensive explosiveness to be able to contend with the best teams in the country. Last year, Clemson was controlled in the college football playoff by Alabama because of its lack of ability to get the ball down the field. But now Trevor Lawrence is going to open up this offense in many similar ways that Deshaun Watson did for several years at Clemson. Of course, Lawrence doesn't have the same running ability that Deshaun Watson did, but the Tigers already have a good running attack with guys like Travis Etienne and Tavian Feaster. Now the weapons on the outside just get all that much more dangerous. T. Higgins, Amari Rogers, Hunter Renfro, Cornell Powell. All of these receivers were not used to their full potential with Kelly Bryant at quarterback. Now they have the ability to stretch the field as they should on a play-in, play-out basis. That is difficult to defend for every team in the country. And if you've been following this quarterback situation at all with Clemson, you know that the conversation doesn't just start and stop with Trevor Lawrence. And that's because on Wednesday, Kelly Bryant announced that he is going to use the NCAA's new rule with four games available to play in to still redshirt this season, and he's going to transfer and leave the Clemson Tigers. This, of course, is a tough blow for Clemson. At the beginning of the season, Clemson had one of the better quarterback situations of any team in the entire country. But now, most of Clemson's depth is gone at quarterback, and if there happens to be an injury at some point to Trevor Lawrence down the road, then Clemson's in a very precarious situation. 
Chase Bryce now stands as the Tigers' backup quarterback. And at this point, Bryce just hasn't seen the reps necessary to have confidence in this coaching staff. Not to mention there's a big drop-off in talent from Trevor Lawrence to a guy like Chase Bryce. That means, once again, if there is a quarterback change at any point due to an injury with Trevor Lawrence, again, Clemson would be facing a situation in which their offense would regress an awful lot with Bryce coming into play. The last thing I'll say about this quarterback situation at Clemson is I can't put any blame on either side when you're looking at anybody like Dabo Sweeney or Kelly Bryant with this transfer. Bryant chose to raise questions as to whether he was treated fairly, and I just can't imagine anybody looking at this situation and say that a guy like Kelly Bryant wasn't treated fairly by Dabo Sweeney. Bryant had the opportunity to start for an entire season last year. He went out, he did his job, he did a good job, and he took Clemson to the college football playoff. And he parlayed that into the starting quarterback position for the Tigers for the first four games this season, despite a very, very talented quarterback coming in as a true freshman. In my eyes, Kelly Bryant was given every opportunity to succeed and progress as a starting quarterback at the beginning of the season, but the talent won out with Trevor Lawrence. Stabo Sweeney has done the right thing by putting the ball in the hands of his true freshman quarterback. To me, Clemson's potential is maximized with Trevor Lawrence leading this team the rest of the way. And they could be a viable contender for a team like Alabama that has looked so unstoppable through the first four weeks. And on the other side of it, I can't blame Kelly Bryant at all for wanting out. The guy has put in an awful lot of time. He started a lot of games. He did a good job. But at the end of it, he's finishing up his final year in college football if he were to stay at Clemson right now. Kelly Bryant has aspirations of taking his game to the next level in the NFL. If he were to stay at Clemson at this point, he'd be minimizing his opportunity to showcase his talents to the NFL. He'd also be minimizing his reps at quarterback, some valuable snaps that he needs to be able to improve if he's going to ever have a long-term career in the NFL. With this transfer, he gets that opportunity again. He gets to finish out one full season at another school and get plenty of snaps and get plenty of opportunities to grow, get a year older, and then take his talents potentially to the NFL. For now, if you're a Clemson Tiger fan, simply enjoy the process of watching Trevor Lawrence grow and mature as he goes throughout this college football season. He's going to be a heck of a player to watch for the next few years, but for now, he certainly puts Clemson in a position where they could potentially make a run at another national championship. For me, I've got to head to break. Remember, on the other side, I've got Dan Hope of 11warriors.com joining me to discuss number four Ohio State's trip to number nine Penn State in a big-time showdown this weekend at 7.30 Eastern Time on ABC. In addition to that, I'll give you my picks against the spread for week five of this college football season. You're listening to Thomas Black on The Blackout. Now, welcome back to The Blackout. This is Thomas Black here with you for another segment of the show. And joining the show again for a second time from 11warriors.com, it is Dan Hope. Dan, how are you doing today? And welcome back to The Blackout. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for joining the show. This week, you've got one of the biggest games in the entire country. A top 10 matchup between Penn State and Ohio State. And... Uh, rightfully so, along with that, you're looking at the two teams in the country that are the top scoring teams in the country. 
Uh, what are you looking forward to most in this game, and what is the biggest thing that you're the biggest key that you're looking to in this game moving forward to Saturday? Well, I mean, this this is the game that I think everyone, uh, both Ohio State and Penn State, have had circled on their calendars since the start of the season because you look at the last two years in the Big Ten, the winner of this game has gone on to win the Big Ten. So it's it, it's early in the season; there's a long way to go after this, but there's a lot riding on this game. Whoever wins this game is going to become the early front runner to win the Big Ten this year and potentially make a run to the college football playoffs. So, you know, it's a really big game for both teams. And, you know, like you said, this is right now the number one and number two scoring offenses in the country. So I'm expecting a high-scoring game. You know, I, I think you're going to see a lot of big offensive plays in this game. And I, and I think really the key is going to be which defense can step up more because – We've seen both of these defenses look vulnerable to the big play this year. Uh, they, they both, I, I think both their offenses have maybe exceeded expectations, but I think both their defenses have maybe underperformed a little bit. And I think it's really going to come down to which defense can, can fix its flaws, which defense can overcome some of its early mistakes and step up more on Saturday. Now, I tell you, it is going to be a challenge for this Ohio State defense and what they're looking at with the dynamic rushing attack that Penn State offers. Trace McSorley. Miles Sanders, those guys are dynamic, and they really offer a lot of challenges. What do you anticipate from Ohio State, and how do you expect them to go about trying to slow those guys down? Yeah, I mean, well, one of the big things I've, I've been saying earlier this week is that, you know, I think, I think a lot of people who maybe haven't followed Penn State, they, they still go back to, oh, they lost Saquon Barkley. But if you look at Penn State, losing Saquon Barkley really hasn't hurt them because Miles Sanders – uh, looks like he's going to be one of the best running backs in the country himself. They got another five-star recruit, Ricky Slade, who's who's shown some ability coming off the bench. And then Trace McSorley as uh, a dual threat, who he's got that running ability as well. So uh, certainly, if you're Ohio State, uh, stopping the run is going to be your first order of business in this game. Uh, you, you don't just have those runners. You also have a really good offensive line up front. So this is going to be the best offensive line that Ohio State's faced all year. And then, of course, Nick Bosa not playing in this game for Ohio State. That's a big loss in a game like this. You know, you you watch him play against Tulane, it really doesn't make a difference. But a game like this, it's still a very talented defensive line, but you don't have a player like Nick Bosa. That's going to hurt you up front. And then I think the linebackers really need to step up in this game because uh, the linebackers really going back to last year since Bill Davis came in as linebackers coach, they really haven't performed up to expectations. It's really been a disappointing position for Ohio State over last year and the first four games of this year. So I think that's a group that really needs to step up on Saturday, uh, both in stopping that run game and they're going to need to be disciplined because of not only McSorley's ability to run, but also his ability to escape the pocket and, and make plays in the passing game. With Bosa being out, there was certainly no expectation that he was going to be playing this week, but we received word this today that he is not going to be reevaluated until November, just for the long run, including this game and moving forward. What is Ohio State's expectation for guys stepping up? It's, is there a major concern with the depth on the defensive line, or do they simply have so much talent that they're able to fill his space and then just hopefully nobody else goes down? I think they're in pretty good shape because you look at the defensive line now. You, you still got Draymond Jones and Robert Landers inside, which is one of the best combinations of defensive tackles in the country. And then you got Chase Young and Jonathan Cooper at defensive end, who are two very talented defensive ends. Now, none of those guys are Nick Bosa. And Nick Bosa, in my opinion, might be the best player in college football, regardless of position. So when you lose a player like Bosa, 
Uh, that's going to hurt you, especially in big games like this one. But they still have a lot of talent. Like you said, I, I do think at that defensive end spot, I think there's a depth concern right now because they they also lost three defensive ends from last year who were all now yeah. playing in the NFL. So behind Young and Cooper now, you've got a lot of young, inexperienced guys. you got some, some talent, guys like Tyreek Smith and Tyler Friday, who are true freshmen. They, they, they're talented guys, but they really haven't played a lot of football. So we're going to see that depth put to the test this week. Last week, they basically played all backups in the second half, so those guys got plenty of playing time. But now they're going to need those guys to rotate in and play in a big game. And certainly uh, it's going to be a big stage for guys like Tyreek Smith and Tyler Friday to have to step up. You mentioned earlier that both of these teams have seen something of some struggles on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we certainly know, though, that Ohio State is more tested in the early going of the season with their win over TCU than, to this point, Penn State is. Uh, how much stock do you put in Penn State struggles early this season? The, the close win against Appalachian State early. The fact that they were in a tight game on Friday night against Illinois through about a half of play before they really started pulling away in the second half. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I watched the whole game on Friday, and I, and I watched some of their first three games as well. And I, I do think the defense is a real concern for Penn State because just watch watching them Friday, they're they're getting gashed for big runs. Uh, they're giving up some easy throws uh, on the back end. And you look at that Penn State defense; they only have two returning starters from last year. So this is a this is a very inexperienced defense and I think that inexperience has shown so far this year and it's not to say they don't have talent but I do think their talent on that side of the ball is significantly down from where it was last year and I think you combine that with inexperience uh, I, I think there's some definite issues for this defense and they haven't gone up against any offense that's nearly as talented as what Ohio State has to offer so I think there's definite potential if they don't work out some of their issues Uh, for things to get very ugly for Penn State's defense on Saturday night. Is that a recipe for Dwayne Haskins to continue his hot play early in the season? I think so. I think the big question for Dwayne going into this week is just how does he handle a a road environment? Because this is his first true road game as a starter, and there aren't many tougher places to play a road game than Penn State. So I think that's the big question. But the fact that we saw what he did against Michigan last year in the second half and how he handled that road environment, that's a good blueprint to set the stage, give confidence that he's going to be able to handle this just fine. And if he does, I think he and the Ohio State passing offense are going to have an advantage over the Penn State defense. Now, the last time I spoke with you going into the TCU game, Urban Meyer was still on the sidelines. Since then, he's been back fully instated. He's been with them during practice. He was coaching during the Tulane game. Has there been any change that you've felt in this program on the sidelines here in the just the recent week or so uh, since Urban Meyer has been back on the sideline for games? You know, I, I really haven't noticed anything significantly different. I, I think certainly last week wasn't a time where we were going to notice it because last week wasn't a time that they were going to you know, make any big changes to the playbook. But I, I really think from everything we've seen since he's been back that they've just been chugging along business as usual. And I think it really speaks to the, the program he's built where his assistant coaches could keep things going the way he would have the first three weeks. And now there's no drastic change of him coming back because I, I think actually to some extent, 
his suspension has actually made him trust his assistants more. I think from having to step away for a while and having to watch from home, I think that's given him even more trust in coaches like Ryan Day and Greg Schiano and Kevin Wilson, where he can now be more of a CEO of a program almost, where he oversees everything, but he's trusting Ryan Day and Kevin Wilson to drop the offense. He's trusting Greg Schiano and Alex Grinch to build the defensive game plan. And I think he just is really overseeing everything and allowing his assistant coaches to do their jobs. And truthfully, I think that's a good thing for everyone because of how talented his coaching staff is. Now, as we head to Saturday night, of course, the Buckeyes ranked fourth in the country, head to Penn State, ranked ninth in the country. Dan Hope, if you have to boil it down to one key in this game, what's your one key for who comes out on top and what's your prediction for this game? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly in in a game like this, a lot of times it's going to come down to protecting the football because these are two offenses that I think are going to score more often than not on Saturday night. But I think turnovers are the one thing that if you give points the other way in a game like this where there's going to be a lot of scoring by both offenses, if you give points away to the other team, that could cost you. So I I think turnovers are probably going to end up being a big factor in this game. I think both offenses are going to put up a lot of yards and put up a lot of points. But ultimately, I I think Ohio State's going to win this game because I, I do think that Ohio State's defense is better than Penn State's defense. I don't think Penn State is going to be able to consistently stop what Dwayne Haskins and J.K. Dobbins and the rest of the Ohio State offense can do. And ultimately, I I see Ohio State winning this game by about 7 or 10 points. As we work up to game day, what what can people find on 11warriors.com as you all cover this game and as you cover the rest of the season recruiting and all? Yeah, I mean, you can find all all kinds of coverage about uh, Ohio State football uh, this week playing Penn State, we're covering every angle of a big game like this. And then, like like you said as well, we got recruiting coverage. We really try to hit everything from every angle related to Ohio State football and mix in a little bit of basketball and other sports as well. So go to 11warriors.com. Follow me on Twitter at Dan underscore Hope. And full coverage of Ohio State football as we go into another big game at Penn State this week. All right, Dan, I really appreciate your time, and I look forward to touching base with you again sometime later in the season. Yeah, sounds good, Thomas. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Talk to you later. It's great to have Dan on the show every time that he has some availability. He's got an awesome game to go to this weekend as he heads up to Penn State, and I'd encourage you to follow him, like he said, at Dan underscore Hope to follow all the action as the Buckeyes take on the Nittany Lions. Like Dan, I expect an awful lot of offense in this game between these two top 10 teams. Both of these teams have shown some concern, I think, on the defensive side of the ball, and I think that provides plenty of opportunity for the offenses to produce plenty of yards and points throughout the entire night at Penn State. But I'll slightly lean towards the Buckeyes on the road in this one in a shootout, 41-38. And now, as I wrap things up before we head into Week 5, I'll give you my picks against the spread here on the Blackout. On last week's show, I gave you two picks against the spread, and if you follow me on Twitter, at TB on the Blackout, you found out I gave you one extra pick later before kickoff. Last week in my picks, I gave you Georgia at Missouri, taking Georgia minus the 14 points. That turned out to be a push as Georgia won at Missouri 
43-29. In my second pick against the spread last week, I took Texas A&M plus the 26 points at Alabama. Alabama, of course, ended up dominating the game. They won 45-23, but they didn't cover that 26-point spread. And the biggest mistake I made last week was adding an extra pick on Twitter later in the week after the show as I took TCU minus the three points on the road at Texas. Texas not only covered the spread of three points, they also just won the game outright, dominating TCU 31-16 after a close game through about a half. This week, I've got a number of picks for you heading into week five. At noon Eastern time on ESPN, I'm looking at Arkansas versus Texas A&M. This has been a game that has been highly competitive between these two schools in recent years, but this Arkansas team is downright terrible. They got blown out last week at Auburn, no surprise, but the week before that, they were blown out at home by North Texas 44-17. I'm taking Texas A&M minus the 21 points. The next game I'm looking at is a 3.30 Eastern time kickoff on Fox Sports 1. This is when number 18 Texas heads to Kansas State. Texas is rolling as of late under Tom Herman, having won back-to-back games over top 25 teams. Two weeks ago, they beat number 22 USC, 37-14. And last week, in week four, they knocked off number 17 TCU, 31-16. You look at Kansas State, and any time they've played a top 25 team this season, they've gotten throttled. In week two, they lost to number 18 Mississippi State, 31-10. And last week, they lost at number 12 West Virginia, 35-6. I'm taking Texas on the road, minus the eight and a half. The next game I like is Michigan at Northwestern. This one takes place at 4.30 Eastern time on Fox. Northwestern has been terrible this year, winning a close game at Purdue, 31-27. They've also lost to Duke, 21-7 and to Akron on their home field, 39-34. In this one, they're going up against one of the best defenses in the country in Michigan, and Michigan has been rolling in recent weeks, beating Western Michigan 49-3, SMU 45-20, and Nebraska last week 56-10. I'm going with Michigan on the road, minus the 14. The next game I'll be picking is Florida at Mississippi State at 6 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. I think everybody knows you're looking at a Florida team that just isn't very good, offensively or defensively. Mississippi State's defense should give Felipe Franks nightmares all game long. And you look at what Mississippi State can do up front with their rushing attack against one of the worst rushing defenses in the country in Florida right now. I'm taking Mississippi State at home, minus the 7.5. And And the last game I'll be picking is at 7.30 Eastern time on the SEC Network. It's South Carolina at Kentucky. And this one, I'm looking at a Kentucky team that's been surprisingly good this season and a South Carolina team that, while they've been pretty good, a lot of people were expecting them to contend more with Georgia than they did. Kentucky's riding a four-game winning streak in this series, and you're looking at a Kentucky offense that's averaging almost 270 rushing yards per game. That's going up against a defense that ranks 75th in the country in rush yards allowed at 163 yards a game for South Carolina. Watch for Benny Snell and Terry Wilson to give the South Carolina defense a lot of problems just as they have every opponent they've played so far this year. When this game opened up, South Carolina actually was the favorite on the road. The line has since switched to Kentucky minus one and a half. I'm taking the Wildcats minus the one and a half. After last week's picks, I said at one, one, and one on the season. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening to The Blackout. And stay tuned as I'll have another show headed your way as we head into week six next week.
For now, I'd encourage you to follow me on Twitter and Periscope at TB on the Blackout. And of course, you can get in touch with me at TB on the Blackout at gmail.com. And of course, if you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe to the show where I'll get you this content each and every week throughout the college football season. Again, I'm Thomas Black, and you've been listening to The Blackout. Thank you so much for listening to the show, and have a great college football weekend. (laughs) 